Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Summer in the Gospels. This summer, we're spending our Sunday mornings in the Gospels, which are the first four books in the New Testament. In each passage, Jesus teaches an important lesson about what it means to follow Him. When we read these scriptures, it will help us learn more about Jesus and how to help us follow Him. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, we're grateful that you're here. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here today. Today's going to be a special day, and I actually made a couple announcements before we move into the message. Uh, if you didn't notice, children are released now to go to Children's Church. If they didn't go, they can go. And if you would like our Spanish translation service, you can leave now and go to the venue where you can receive today's message in Spanish. Well, today is a special treat. We have our next generation director, Rob Wood, who's going to bring the message to us. He's been on staff now for over a year. He's been teaching uh, students for this past year. But this is his first time coming and bringing a message to us. So give him a warm Valley Brook welcome as he comes up. Thank you, Clark. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you to all my students that are out there to make this a little bit easier. So if we guys haven't met, uh, my name is Rob Wicka. I'm the next generation director here, which I always say that's a fancy way of saying I get to oversee children's and Sunday school and the students for student ministry. So basically birth through grade 12. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now uh, here. My wife, Yvonne, in the front row, um, we live up the mountain in East Heartland. Uh, we've been coming to Valley Brook for about 17 years. So not quite the founders, but we've been here a long time. Um, even when we spent two years on the mission field in Costa Rica, we still called Valley Brook our home. Uh, we've grown in our faith here. We've learned how to serve here. We've raised our four kids here. So this is the church family that God gave us, and we love and appreciate all of you. So before I open in prayer, I want to jump into what I want to share from God's word today. I want to take a minute and ask for your help. In three short weeks, we're kicking off both Sunday school and our uh, midweek student ministries for grades 1 through 12. So we need a lot of help. So I'm blessed to have an amazing staff many, and volunteers. Many of you uh, in this room serve on one or both of those ministries. Drew, you got both. Good job. So I want to ask you guys to prayerfully consider how you can help us. Because as we grow, as life happens, we always need more help. And I don't want to burn out our volunteers. So... Think about it. I am here every day during the week. I'd love to talk to you, have a cup of coffee, talk how your gifts might fit in and how you can help us. It really is a lot of fun. And I also want to do a quick plug for a special event this Wednesday, so in three days, on August 16th, we're having our all-dayer, which is going to be 2 to 8 o'clock. It's on a Wednesday. And when I took over, they used to do an all-nighter, and I'm like, I'm over 50. I'm not staying up all night. So we changed it to an all-dayer. So this year we invited three other churches, uh, and they all said yes. So we're going to have about 100 to 125 students descend on this place on Wednesday. Um, there's going to be food, worship, prayer, games. It's going to be awesome. Um, but because there's going to be 125 students descending on this place, I need more adult eyeballs. So if anybody wants to kind of take a step and get your foot wet on what student ministries might look like for an afternoon or evening, I would love to have you come and check it out and help us keep a little bit of order. And then again, we can talk about if that's something you want to do going forward. So enough announcements. Let me open up some prayer. 
Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your son who died for us. And I thank you for this uh, opportunity I have to, to preach your truth to my church family. So just use my words, Lord. And um, I know they're going to come through me to everyone's ears exactly how you want it to be heard. So I just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few minutes ago, we had the, uh, the honor and the privilege to dedicate baby Ashton. Now, that's a special and meaningful event for us, especially for um, Megan and Zach and Ashton and their family. But it's important for us to recognize, and I alluded to it before, that that's not going to determine what, if Ashton gets into heaven or not. The truth is that God requires all of us to choose him for ourselves when we're old enough to make that understanding and understand. So our hope and our prayer is by surrounding Ashton with godly people and praying for him regularly, and modeling Christ-like behavior for him, we can help guide him down that salvation decision when he gets older. And today's passage from John chapter 3 defines what must happen for us to get into heaven. I first want to set the scene by talking about God's plans versus our plans. Because he often does things differently than we expect him to. Has that ever happened for you? You prayed about something, you talked about something, you thought it was going to go this way, and God said no. I have something different for you. So for those of you that don't know the story of Valleybrook and how we ended up in this beautiful campus, that was definitely not how we intended. So for the first 12 years, we're meeting, in high, or we're meeting in the elementary schools and then we moved into the high school. So for about 10 years, I think we met in the Granby High School Auditorium, a great place to do church. They had janitors, we just showed up, we did church, we packed up our stuff and went home. It was really good. But during that time, we were raising money. We raised quite a bit of money through some capital campaigns. And we also bought a piece of land a mile or two up from the center. That's what we thought we were going to do for Valleybrook when we eventually got out of the high school. So around 2012, so we're 12 years into our existence, we're really starting to talk about, all right, we got to do something. Um, do we keep renting the high school or do we go out on faith and build our building? Well, there were a lot of different options discussed. Do we start with a small modular building and add on to it as funds come in? That would work. Do we take out a mortgage and combine it with our, our pretty hefty building fund and build our dream building all at once? That would be cool. Or do we continue to meet in the high school as we had been doing and be good stewards and wait until we have all the money so we don't have to take out debt? All the questions that we asked each other. Well, God had different plans and he set things in motion for us to be given this gift. I think most of you are familiar with it, but we have 80 acres this building that you're in is 40,000 square foot plus. This was a horse arena, and we had stables and offices, and it's turned out so much better than we could have imagined because it was God. And as we're going to read in John chapter 3, God sent his son to bless humanity with a gift of eternal life through Jesus. But he came an entirely unexpected way from what the Jewish faithful were expecting. You know, many thought he was going to come in riding on a white horse and be a conqueror. But what did God do? He sent a lamb. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's turned out quite a bit better than we could have imagined. So I've titled this sermon, Whose Are We? That's what I want you to ask yourself. I'm hoping the answer is, I am God's. Every week when I speak to the students at Collide, usually about 15 or 20 of them, not all of you, I try to affirm them and give them a reminder of their identity in Christ. So it's not what social media says, it's not what their friends say, it's not what kind of student or athlete they are, or even what their family says. 
yeah, they should strive to do well and do the best they can, but I teach them that if they've accepted God's gift of Jesus, then they have everything they need. And personally, I believe that to be truly fulfilled, we must operate from a place of joy. A joy that's only found in knowing whose we belong to. A joy in Christ. Now, I see that as part of our identity and not just as an emotion. Like, you can be happy, you can be sad. Those are emotions in themselves. But joy, I tie it in with my identity in Christ. If I know whose I am, I have joy. Now, if you've lived with me or you've worked with me, you know that you can usually tell how my joy and my spiritual life is by whether or not I'm whistling. It can be annoying. It can be beautiful, right? So I went through a period in Costa Rica where I was trying to do everything myself, and I was getting frustrated, and where's the money coming from? Where's the people coming from? My boss is a jerk. I'm getting frustrated with God, and I call that my whistle-less period. And then through some godly people down there and through my wife, they kind of whacked me on the head and I recalibrated and I remembered whose I am and whose I'm serving and why I'm there. And I started whistling again because I found my place of joy. So again, today we're going to be talking from the Gospel of John. And I love this Gospel. But I want to quickly share who John's audience was. Um, Most scholars agree that the Gospel of John was written about 70 years A.D., which that would be about 35 years after Jesus was, did his ministry, was crucified and, and resurrected. And it was written to a growing church, which wouldn't have just been the Jewish believers, but it would have now been all the Gentiles and the Romans that came into faith. So it's very different than the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which were written very close to the time of the cross, and they would have been primarily written to the Jewish people. Like this whole summer now, we've been reading in the Gospels, and I... I want to recommend that all of you read them again, or read them for the first time, but read them again. But this time, pay special attention to who wrote them and who the audience was. And I find it very helpful if you have any kind of study Bible just to read the introduction to it, because it it really helps you understand the text when you know who wrote it, maybe why they wrote it, and who they're writing it to, because that matters. It gives us the context. And I feel that we're truly blessed by having all of the Gospels at our fingertips. If uh, John is up there, John 3, I'm going to read John chapter 3, the first 15 verses. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can somebody be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. 
I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, some of you may be familiar with that reference in verse 14 to lifting up the snake. This comes from um, the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 21. The Israelites were grumbling and complaining to God and Moses like they often did. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. This is the manna that God provided for them. So what does God do? He sends venomous snakes to punish them. So many of them are getting bitten, they're dying. What do the people do? They repent. They're good at that. Then God tells Moses to make an image of a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. All a person that was bitten had to do was look at that bronze snake and they would live. Now, I find it very cool that Jesus used this example and this foreshadowing of his own time up on a pole, the cross, that would allow people to not only live but have eternal life. And Nicodemus, the Pharisee that he was talking to, he would have been very familiar with this historic event from the, the Jewish history. So at this point, or in a minute, I'm going to show a short clip from The Chosen. Now, I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Um, if you're not, I personally recommend you to check it out. Do your research, get comfortable. Um, it's a dramatic depiction of the ministry of Jesus, created, written, and directed by Dallas Jenkins. And if the Jenkins name sounds familiar, it was his father, Jerry, Jerry Jenkins, not Jerry Kappa, we'll shut it, who co-wrote with Timothy LeHay the Left Behind series, which is a very popular depiction of the end times. So I, like I said, I've done a lot of research into the show, and I discovered that Dallas Jenkins' intent was to accurately portray the events around Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, but at the same time taking creative liberties and fleshing out the details that the Bible omits whether it's about people, whether it's about activities that happened or, or locations. And to stay accurate to the scriptures and not, turn, or not damage God's word, he employs an, an advisory board. So he has a Jewish rabbi, a Catholic priest, and an evangelical scholar that he would give his scripts to. They would talk about it. They'd say, oh, well, how does this fit in with my understanding of, of the law and of, of scripture? They'd give him the feedback, and then he would produce the show with that counsel in mind. So that way it would be as accurate as possible to many different interpretations of Scripture. Because his desire was to maintain the accuracy and the integrity of Scripture while, like I said, while making plausible assumptions. That's a word he uses. I'm not going to make a plausible assumption. Like, we didn't know if Nicodemus lived this way, but based on the text, based on his character and the character of God, it makes sense, and it's going to make for a better show. So like I said, I started watching The Chosen last fall around the same time that I was taking online Bible classes at Liberty University. So every day, I'm reading the Gospels, I'm digging into them, I'm studying, I'm writing papers, a lot of papers. At the same time, I'm watching this show and it's just coming alive. It was, it was really cool. So I was so impressed and comfortable with the accuracy and the integrity that the show did as it shows Scripture that I decided to start showing it with our youth group on Wednesday nights. So we started doing that in January this, this year. And the students loved it. And based on their questions and small group discussions, I really feel like it enhanced their understanding of who Jesus was and why he came and what he wants from us. 
Um, so the clip that we're going to see, it depicts that very conversation I just read from John chapter 3 between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's kind of dark to start with. That's intentional. And the sound is better. The important parts you're going to be able to see in here, so don't worry about the beginning. But pay close attention to the Jesus character, played by Jonathan Rumi. The way he describes being born again, I can't do it as good as him. So just listen to how he explains to Nicodemus what that means. Show of hands, who's the first time they ever watched them chosen? It's pretty good, huh? So I want to ask you a question. Are we, are you, like Nicodemus? Do we struggle and do we need to stop defining who God is and just trust him? Now, before we judge Nicodemus too harshly, I want to, because of his reluctance, and actually, I want to commend him. Like, he was a highly respected Pharisee. He was a scholar and a teacher in the synagogues of the Jewish law. What impressed me most about Nicodemus is that he is many generations into the silent period and yet is still trying to be a faithful keeper of God's law as given by Moses. And when I say the silent period, if you're not familiar with that, it refers to a time of about 400 years between the last prophet that was inspired by God and told the Jewish people all the way up 400 years later to the birth of Jesus. It was a period of 400 years where the people on earth did not hear directly from God through any revelations or anything. Now, if you've done much Old Testament reading, you'll know that the Jewish people had a bad habit of quickly falling away from God as soon as their godly leader died. It could be a couple of years, it could be a generation, but they would quickly fall away and start worshiping false idols and, and just forget about God. And then God would raise up a new leader, give them some divine instruction, and people would get back on track, and they'd kind of start it all over again. So the fact that Nicodemus was 400 years, probably six or eight generations, into only having the law and the passed down stories guiding him, he was still acting faithfully. So to me, that's commendable. So I ask you guys again, are you like Nicodemus? Do you have some work to do in completely trusting God and who he is and what he did for us through Jesus? Now, the culture and the world we live in today, they don't want us to trust God, do they? They don't want us to be a healthy, united church. Jesus knew this and prayed specifically for it. If we fast forward into the Last Supper account, which is found in John 15 through 17 or somewhere around there, we read that Jesus prayed. And he prayed specifically for three things. He prayed for himself because he knew what was going to happen on the cross the next day but he was still willing to do it. He prayed for protection for his disciples because he knew what they were going to face. And he knew that they would become the church that was the only hope of carrying on his ministry. He also prayed that the disciples might have a full measure of his joy, the joy in founding knowing whose they were. And then finally, he closes out chapter 17 by praying for all the future believers. That's us. So I'm going to read John 17, uh, 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone, them being the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So because Jesus prayed specifically for the unity of those that would be born again in the future, us, I feel it's important for me to also stress our need for being united as a church. As I said in my opening greeting, I consider Valley Brook to be my church home. And I've always appreciated how we've tried to stay united and move forward together. Now there's been some bumps in the roads, there's been some issues that could have divided us. But I'm thankful for the leadership of Pastor Clark, the elders, and their united desire to be faithful to God's truth and move forward together. And there's many verses in the Bible that talk about all of us being members of one body. All necessary, but none more important than the other. So a couple weeks ago, we got back from a, a family camp week up at Camp Spofford, where we have um, chapel every morning, so the speaker's speaking every day. And a couple days in, he gave us an interesting example. He said just before coming to camp, he severely stubbed his pinky toe. Now, the pinky toe doesn't seem like a significant part of the body. But when it's throbbing and purple and hurts to even look at, it becomes the most significant part of the body. So he learned how he quickly adapted to help his toe. He kept his shoe off when he could. He used his arms to get up and down so he wouldn't put pressure on it. He changed his whole routine and his whole life so he wouldn't put the toe under its normal pressure. Now, the way he told the story was very comical, but it was also very instructional because he related his toe and its relationship to his whole body to that of the church. He asked if we were aware of any stubbed toes among our church body. I'm not looking at you, Peter. Are, are, we, are we actively seeking to take the pressure off of that toe? It's so easy for us just to keep our head down and do our business and almost not care about our brothers and sisters. So my challenge to all of you and to myself is to pray for our body. Pray for Pastor Clark and Cynthia as Satan in the world is going to throw stuff at them so that they can't be effective. Pray for the elders and the staff. Pray for the, all the ministries of Valley Brook. And then a lot of times we forget, let's pray for the people in our communities around us. That's why we're here. God put us here to minister to them. Are we praying for them? Ask God how you can help his church, whether that's Valley Brook or whether that's just his bigger church. Pray for the people all around the world being persecuted. So once we realize whose we are, it's a lot easier to understand being born again. Now the first 15 verses of John chapter 3 that we read, that's where John recorded the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Most scholars... Did I die? No. Most Gospels think that the Gospel of John was written about 30 years after Jesus went back to heaven. So the rest of John 3 was not, I don't believe, was a conversation Jesus had, but I want to read it because most of you are familiar with John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I kind of want to bring this to a close, and I want to tell you guys a family story. 
If you know us well, you probably know it. But we also find that if you know us well, maybe you don't know this story. Going back to 2008, we decided to do foster care. We did all the classes, we did the trainings, we did the background checks, we did the personality profiles. They came out and interviewed us to see if we were good parents. We finally got licensed. And then we waited, and we waited. And then finally in 2010, we got the call. After a year of waiting, all of a sudden, four o'clock in the afternoon, we have an 18-month-old girl, can we bring her to the house tonight? She needs a place to stay for a couple weeks. Okay. We opened our home, we opened our hearts, and most importantly, we opened our family to this little girl. Well, she never left. When we officially adopted her back in 2013, the state of Connecticut actually issued a new birth certificate listing Yvonne and I as her parents, which that, that floored us. And we're asking why. Well, as far as her legal identity goes, she was literally born again. And they do this so that as she grows up, there's no confusion about who she is and who she belongs to, which I think is such a cool image of what Jesus does with us when we're born again. So fast forward 10 years ago today, or two today, and that little girl is still 100% of Woodka. And she's sitting over there. So let me finish. Our salvation, our eternal destination, it has nothing to do with something or anything we did and has everything to do with what God did with his son, Jesus Christ, up on the cross, which we have a beautiful cross up there. God sent him so that we could become his. Now, if you've already made the decision to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, then this sermon probably made a lot of sense to you, and it probably covered a lot of familiar stuff. But if you have not yet made the decision to have Jesus be the Lord of the life, to be born again, to get your new spiritual birth certificate. Then my prayer is that something you heard this morning, whether it's something I said or the worship team sang about, would move you towards that very important decision because that's between you and God. But if something is stirring and you're not sure and you want to talk, myself or Pastor Clark or the prayer team, we're going to be up here after the service. If you want to pray about anything or talk about that, we'd love to talk to you. It would be a privilege. And if you're online and you want to have somebody get back and talk to you, send us a message to connect at valleybrook.cc. We monitor that. We'll get back in touch with you. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and close with the appropriately named song, God So Loved. But before I pray, I shared on Facebook that I was going to be doing this and inviting friends, and one of my buddies that I used to serve with in Costa Rica is watching online right now. So Neil, I love your brother. I told him I'd do that. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for regenerating your spirit into us so that we can be born again and be your son or your daughter so that we never have to question our identity and who we belong to. So Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to share what was on my heart and I just pray that your spirit would move in everybody and that now you bless us with this last song. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.